is week number five in our One Another series. We are focusing on the One Another statements in the New Testament. Hey, Diana Banana, why don't you turn that light on so everybody knows you're over there. And, and just in case you were wondering, you can still, if you need prayer and you realize it, did we blow a bulb? We must have. Yeah, sorry about that. Or unplugged it somehow. Anyway, uh, she's over there. We got some folks that'll pray for you before, during, after. We, we just, they, their heart is to pray with you. Anyway, we're uh, looking at the one another statements in the New Testament. There are 59 of them. 59. Today we're going to look at the one that's repeated the most. Any guesses? What, what's, what's the most repeated one another? To love, to agape one another. Of the 59 one another's in the New Testament, 17, about one-third of them, command us to love one another. Okay? In, in many ways, all the other one another's hinge or depend on this one. So, so this, I would argue, is probably the key one another. I stumbled onto a two-minute video that vividly explains uh, the importance of loving one another. So we're going to spend two minutes and let's watch this together. Would you locate with me in your Bibles or on your Bible app, the Gospel of John chapter 13. We're going to find that our boss, our king, our commander-in-chief issues a command that he expects us to obey. John 13, we'll read verses 34 and 35. If you're able, would you stand with me? Let's see what the king has ordered us to do. 
a new command I give you. Read with me. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Let's pray. Lord, that uh, is very simple and yet so hard to actually do. It's simple enough, Lord, that really a toddler could understand and memorize this. And yet, Lord, the most mature of us here in your son, it's, it's the biggest challenge there is. So we need your help. Help us to get beyond understanding what we're supposed to be doing according to your command. Lord, help us to move on and help us to put it into practice in our daily lives. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers, we want to actually be doers of what we're going to study today. Illuminate our minds, empower our words and our actions, Lord, as we examine your commands. Because, Lord, you're the king and you're the boss and you're the redeemer and you're our friend that sticks closer than anyone else. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can see it. The uh, church leadership, the uh, elders and the deacons and the staff from all three locations were reading this book together. Uh, if you're a reader, uh, $18.49 on Amazon, better deal, $16.49 CBD, which is now called Christian Book Distributors because CBD means other things today. Anyway, you understand. Uh, uh, anyway, if you want to see what we're reading, order it up. If you don't like to read, it's available on Audible as well. Jody tells me if you have a library card, you can, you can somehow, and I can't tell you, see Jody if you want to know how, but somehow you can use your library card and you can get it on your phone and listen for free. How's that? Anyway, this book uses Lewis and Clark's expedition as a metaphor entering into uncharted territory. And if, if we're not in uncharted territory today, I don't know what it is. Especially in the church, we're trying to figure out what, where are we at? We're, we're off the map now. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Uh, Lewis and Clark... Uh, were commissioned by President Jefferson. It was a while ago. Uh, I want you to go and find and navigate a waterway to the Pacific Ocean. So they went up the Missouri, and then now they're looking for that wonderful river that would gently slope them down into the Pacific Ocean. Do you understand? They got their canoes, they're looking, and suddenly now here's the new reality. It's called the Rocky Mountains. So they've got canoes, and now they're looking and are saying these canoes, uh, they're, they're not going to work. Uh, anyway, that's, that's the essence of the book, How Do You Navigate in Uncharted Territories. Anyway, Todd Bolsinger, the author, begins the book by pointing out, the days where church and followers of Jesus have home field advantage are over. 
He says, for 1,700 years, Christendom, we've had home court advantage. Basically, uh, in, in Western cultural life, we were the privileged center of thought and belief. You understand? It's how under God got in our Pledge of Allegiance. It's, it's why prayer up until not that long ago was allowed and actually led by many teachers and principals in the public schools. That's how that happened. Um, it's how the Ten Commandments were posted in, in many courthouses throughout our nation. We were the privileged center of Western cultural life, okay? We, as a church, and Christianity was respected by our culture, even by those who didn't believe in God's Word, the Bible, even by those who didn't follow Jesus, they, they at least tolerated the Judeo-Christian ethic. You tracking? Um, by 2020... The fastest growing religious affiliation among young adults, okay? Well, what do you suppose the fastest growing, uh, when, when they are asked, what, what religion are you and what is the fastest growing? Any guesses? None. By far the fastest growing. Christendom, as a marker for our society, our culture, is in the rearview mirror. It's, it's past, Okay? Brothers and sisters, we need to understand something. We've lost home field advantage. The home court uh, advantage for us is a thing now in the past. The culture and the community that used to be so friendly, so accommodating, is no longer impressed with, with us. They're no longer uh, respectful of the Bible. Sadly, oftentimes, they're not even interested in our Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. So the question is, what's our plan, right? <laughs> uh, what, do, what do we do? Because we've always had home court advantage. How, how do we proceed when the people around us are not impressed, actually are quite hostile to our faith? What, what, how, do we, how do we move forward? Go back again with me. To the Gospel of John, okay? Uh, 13th chapter, because the disciples that Jesus is talking to here were in a very similar situation. They had no home court advantage. Uh, Rome was not impressed with Jesus. The Roman Caesars, the Roman Empire, the Roman army the Roman officials like Governor Pilate who controlled the Jews, <laughs> they were not impressed with Jesus or his followers. Not at all. Matter of fact, just a few days after Jesus said these words, John 13 records, Jesus would be arrested and tried and scourged and put on a Roman cross and crucified. So, that, that's how unimpressed they were with Jesus and his followers. Um, right today, 2020, so far, the level of hostility is, is not anywhere near where it was in John 13, okay? 
but you need to remember the United States of America is not the world. In 2020 today, there are more Jesus followers who are tormented and arrested and tortured and even put to death than at any time in all of history. There's more persecution of the church, genuine followers of Jesus today than at any other time. And oh, by the way, it's on the rise. It's not going down. The stats are only going up. There are more people in places like North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Sudan, Yemen, Iran, Iraq, India, China. I just listed off 11 of the most persecuted areas. Um, conservative estimate, 260 million Christians live in places where they experience high levels of persecution. And their crime? They're following Jesus. They're, they're, they're living for Jesus, and they're experiencing high levels of persecution. So, here's my question. Why would we assume that in 2020, in, in our country, in our culture, why would we assume that we get a free pass? Sometimes we, we think, well, well, we've always had home court advantage. We're always going to. Why would we assume that it's never going to cost us much to follow Jesus? Let me ask you a harder question. Why would we assume that having home court advantage is actually an advantage? Perhaps having it cost us something would actually be healthy. What's the plan? What's the plan according to Jesus? Okay? If now the culture and the world around us is hostile, they're not friendly any longer, what's the strategy for Jesus and his disciples down through the centuries? What's our strategy not just to survive, but to thrive? We need one of those, don't you think? So, so if, if this is happening and it looks like it's happening more and more, Christendom is done. Okay? It's no longer a thing. So if that's true, what's our strategy? What's our plan? Ready? Go back to the text, verse 34. Here it is. <laughs> He's got a new strategy. Matter of fact, it's a new command. Verse 34, John 13. A new command, I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. <laughs> now, Jesus, first of all, gives his disciples, gives us, we're still his disciples, 2020, he gives us a command to obey, a command to obey. Up to this point, Jesus had taught his disciples, love God, remember that, uh, love others, and even love your enemies, okay? So he, he's gotten that far along with them. Now he says, I'm going to give you another command, new emphasis, new focus. I want you to love one another. He's talking to the disciples. I want you to love agape one another. That's the Greek, that's the love of Jesus. So love each other with the love of Jesus flowing through you. Love 
one another that way. Love is the hallmark of Christianity. The agape love of Jesus is the the defining mark of what it means to know and follow Jesus. Okay? So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, this this is right in the middle, the core of what it means to follow Jesus. Note, go back to verse 34. He doesn't say, a new suggestion I give you, does he? It's a new, okay, four of you have got it. It's not a new suggestion, it's a new command, okay? And, And this is the king of kings, the lord of lords, the creator of the cosmos, the one who created you in your mother's womb. He's issuing us a command. And the command is love one another. Say it with me. Love one another. Okay? Turn to the person next to you and tell them, what's the command? Love. Tell, now you tell them back. And you love one another. Now he's talking, know the context. He's talking to his disciples. And he's saying this all starts by agapeing each other. Uh, and, and that was going to be important. You know why? In just a couple months, there's going to be this new thing formed, Acts chapter 2. It's called the church. So they were going to need this because the church is going to be birthed there in Acts chapter 2. Okay? So that's what you're supposed to do. Love one another. Good question right now? How? right? How how do you do that? How do you do that, Jesus? And I'm glad we have verse 35, because he gives us a pattern to follow. He gives us a command to obey, and now he gives us a pattern to follow. Verse 35, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, he tells the disciples, so you must love one another. The word as as I have loved you means in the same way, in the same manner. So you've been following me now for three years, a thousand days. You've been hanging with me, Jesus says. You've seen me in action. You, followed, you, you know how I've treated you. As I've treated you, now I want you to follow the, the pattern. Treat each other in the same way that I have agaped you. Just, just follow. And, and here's the question, uh, students of the Gospels. How did Jesus agape his disciples? How, how did he do it? <laughs> how specifically did Jesus love his disciples? Okay, I'm going to give you a couple thoughts. First, if you're taking notes, here we go. Jesus was in the business of forgiving his disciples when they messed up. And and as you read the Gospels, (laughs) uh, you see lots of pretty major mess-ups, a lot of belly flops, and every time they messed up, Jesus forgave them, restored them, welcomed them back into the family. I, I would argue that was the essence of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He forgave us. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, here's what Jesus says. Last words, Father, 
Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Isn't that not amazing? That's, that's what Jesus says out loud just before he died. The quickest way for agape to evaporate and disappear in the church family is refuse to forgive somebody here in the family. Brother, sister does something, says something, forgets to uh, be a part of something, and now you're upset, now hold a grudge. What happens to grudges over time? Anybody? What happens? Uh, pretty soon they start festering, and pretty soon they turn into bitterness, and bitterness, now I'm, I'm feeling pretty harsh toward this person, and I'm telling you over time, if you don't let it go, it gonna, it's going to turn into hatred. It really is an ugly, ugly part of us. When somebody harms us, if I don't make a habit, a holy habit, of giving this to Jesus and letting them off my hook, even if they don't ask for it, Lord, I'm doing this for me because I don't want that building up, that poison building up in me, okay? The number one reason we don't love each other is because long-term agape requires forgiveness. It does. And the longer you hang with somebody, the more important. You know, you can get along with somebody for a week or a month or maybe even a year, but I'm telling you, long-term, you're going to probably say or do something that is wrong towards them and they'll do the same back. Do you understand? Long-term relationships require forgiveness. 1 John 2, verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light of Jesus but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoa. <laughs> Whoever hates his brother or sister and is in the darkness is walking around in darkness is living as blind man in darkness. You ever had somebody say, you know what, I love Jesus. I just don't care much for his church. Anybody ever had? Maybe you've thought that. Yeah, I, I love Jesus, but I don't care much for his church. Can I, can I just say, if you love Jesus, you're going to love the church. They go together. It's not possible to be a follower of Jesus and hate the church and not care for his body, not care for his bride. Do you understand? They go together, which means, listen close, we're required to forgive each other when we mess up. When we, when we hurt one another, when, when we harm one another, first, the best thing is if you realize you've hurt or harmed somebody, you go and ask forgiveness. But I like the little saying, it says, the one with the toes goes. So if you get your toes stepped on, and why is that important? Because some of us water buffaloes don't even realize we crunched your toes. Okay? That's the truth. Now, now, if I realized it and I didn't act on it, shame on me. But I promise you, sometimes the water buffaloes around you will step on your toes and they truly didn't have a clue. So the one with the toes, you goes and, and you say, did you realize you crunched my toes? And in my responsibility, Mr. Water Buffalo, I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. And, and suddenly now, the relationship is restored. Do you understand? If you don't make that a holy habit, anger, 
and bitterness and in time hatred begins to grow and agape is gone it's out the window okay agape requires forgiveness so if you're going to be in the family long term and i would argue it starts in the family your biological family and then it moves on to your church family it's not optional it's a command so here's my question is there anybody in the family that you've not forgiven as you think about the family and it could be here it could be family of Christ in other churches and other places but is there anybody in the family that you're still harboring unforgiveness about agape love the love that Jesus says this is a command it's impossible to have agape flowing when there's unforgiveness going on in our hearts and our minds forgiveness is the first way that Jesus shows us his agape I, I think again I'll say it, it, it's the, the heart and the core of what Jesus did for us on the cross he forgave us so it makes sense it's just a, a huge part of what we have to show one another I let you off my hook uh, and, and even if you don't ask me to forgive you, I, I'm going to ask the Lord to give me his strength to forgive you, let you off my hook. Now you're on his. He can deal with it, but I'm going to choose to move on and forgive. Second hallmark of the agape love of Jesus toward his disciples, Jesus loved them unselfishly. Jesus loved them, I would argue, sacrificially. And those two go together. Matter of fact, Jesus sacrificed his life for us, for his disciples. He took our place on the cross, shed his blood for our greatest problem. What's our greatest problem? We need to say this a lot. What's my greatest problem? Tell me. Pastor Jeff, you are a sinner. Church at Walloon, <laughs> your greatest problem is the same as mine. You're sinners too, okay? He... he allowed his blood to be shed for our sin problem. He took our place in the grave and early Sunday morning victoriously arose from the dead. Do you remember how Jesus felt about what he had to do when he was in the garden? It was awful, sweating drops of blood. Father, if it's possible, could you take this cup of wrath away? So I just want you to understand this was not an easy or a happy thing that Jesus did for us. Matter of fact, I would argue it was fully unselfish and totally sacrificial. Here's a question. When's the last time you sacrificed of your resources for the people in the family? Resources, what do you talk? Time, talent, treasure you use your gifts use your time use your treasure to benefit sacrificially things that hurt if you give something away and it doesn't hurt there's no sacrifice it's not love you understand that it's when it hurts when there's some sacrifice involved suddenly now you're showing agape love 
when's the last time you sacrificed time, talent, treasure for the good of someone in Christ's family? Third hallmark of agape love for his children. Um, Jesus loves us. Jesus loved his disciples unconditionally. Or maybe you like better the word consistently. It was strong. It was true love. It, it wasn't fickle. It didn't waffle. Um, he even loved when the disciples messed up big time. He even loved when you and I do belly flops, okay? We live in a world today that says, I love you if. You understand? I love you when you do this. I'll keep loving you, but these strings, these conditions are attached to my love. For God so loved the world that he what? Okay, got 12 of you that time. That's good. For God so loved the world that he did what? He, he gave. He gave. And he keeps on giving the world he loves so much that he gave his life. The challenge is to love an agape people who have no possibility of giving you benefit back. That, that really is the test. When you love somebody and you love them and there's a good chance that they're going to reciprocate and maybe even give you more, that's one level. But I'm talking about loving people who really have no way that they could show you any love back. Like, like packing one of those boxes. When you ship one of those Operation uh, Christmas Child, they're never going to pay you back. Do you understand? There's, there's no possibility. You're doing it for their benefit, and, and there's no way they're going to pay you back. Or maybe the challenge is to love, with the love of Christ, the extra hard people to love. Anybody have an extra grace-required person in their life? Anybody have more than one? <laughs> okay. You know what I'm talking about. The hard, the difficult, the challenging people, okay? That's when agape really kicks in. I'm going to love someone who, who is hard to love, who can't give me anything returned. I'm going to love especially someone who's maybe harmed me, or they've not been kind to me, or they've harmed a loved one. We're called to do the same. That's what it says. Commanded to do the same. A natural question, give me your eyes right now, is why? Why? That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of effort, Pastor Jeff. Why on earth would I want to spend so much time, energy, attention Time, talent, resources, treasure. Why would I want to do that? The answer, verse 35. Here we go. By this, by this what? By this love you showing one another, by this agape that you're splashing on each other, and everyone will know that you're my disciples. Why? Because they know this isn't natural stuff. They know this isn't normal. This isn't how people normally treat each other. By this love, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Here, here's the word, if. Big if you love one another. 
Everyone around that's watching, they'll know that you really are a follower of Jesus if you're loving, agapeing each other in this way. When the church of Jesus Christ is full of the love of Jesus Christ, when we're forgiving each other, when we're loving one another unselfishly, sacrificially, when we're agapeing one another unconditionally, uh, consistently, here's the truth. Look at verse 35. The hostile, skeptical, unbelieving world around us sits up and starts to pay attention. <laughs> They're going, you know, um, I am seeing that what you're living out matches your mouth, okay? When the unchurched around us, when the hostile people around us see and hear about forgiving and sacrificing and unconditional agape love that's going on in the family, it validates our message. Oh, this is the real deal. <laughs> this stuff you're talking to me about, Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the resurrection, oh, it must really be true because I see it lived out right in front of my eyes. I'm hearing about it. I know that it's making sense, okay? And our message is Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb and eternal life available to whoever received the good news, okay? Suddenly, people who are hostile are eager to listen. Suddenly, their hearts are softened, their ears are opened. Why? Because they can't argue with the agape of Jesus. Sadly, the reverse is true as well. <laughs> when unchurched Harry and Mary sees fighting and quarreling and bickering going on in the church, <laughs> in the family, when they see fickle, conditional, waffling love, and somebody's fallen, and we shoot them, and, and they're struggling, and we kick them out. They know by our lack of love something's very wrong, and they rightly call us hypocrites and a bunch of fakes. Three questions, ready? Is there someone in the church family that you need to forgive Start with your own family. <laughs> is there somebody who is a follower of Jesus in your family and you've been holding a grudge maybe for a long while? Is there somebody you need to forgive? Let them off your hook? Or perhaps, this is just as important, or maybe is there someone that you have harmed and you've never gone and asked and sought forgiveness? Works both ways. Second question, is there somebody in the family of Christ who needs you to sacrifice for them? Time, talent, treasure. They need you to come alongside them. Third question, is there anybody around you who's in the category of the least of these? You understand what I mean by that? They're the le Jesus would say, and if you do it unto the least of these... These are people who are troubled. These are people who are difficult. These are people who are hard to love. Extra grace, extra kindness required. Is there anybody like that around you? The Lord's saying, you know what? You need to love them for free. For free. 
church family, we've entered into hostile territory. Okay? I'm convinced Christendom, we're the center of privilege and thought those days are over. I'm convinced it's likely going to cost us to follow Jesus in the days ahead. So what's our number one weapon? Think about it. What's our number one? If we're entering into uncharted territory, what is our offensive weapon of choice? You ready? It's to love one another. And that's where it starts. And we begin loving in the family of God, the family of Christ. We start there and then you move on and you start splashing it on the people outside the family. But it starts in the family. And if it's not happening in the family, it can never move on beyond that. Do you understand? So our weapon of choice is to fight back against the hostile culture with the weapon of love, with the weapon of Christ's agape, love. Oh, and by the way, how did that work out for the early church? Think with me now. There's, you know, there's 12 of them, and then it gets whittled down. Judas, there's 11 of them. And then there's 120 of them in the upper room. And, and then uh, persecution breaks out in the early church. Acts chapter 2, they scatter. Man, they're going to get smushed like a bug, right? Can, can, I, can I just explain to you? Let's... let's Fast forward a bit. Do you know that with the weapon of agape love, the early church totally took over the Roman Empire? They became the most dominant force in all of history. And we know that today, listen, listen I, I love this quote, um, today people name their dogs Nero and Caesar and we name our children Peter and John. Do you understand? How did they do that? They, they were a bunch of nobodies. I'm telling you how they did it. They did it with the love of Jesus Christ. And they lived it out to each other and then began splashing it on a very hostile, angry environment around them. And the love of Christ won the day. Matter of fact, the love of Christ changed the ancient world. And the love of Christ will change the world in 2020 as well. What's our weapon? How are we going to survive? Love, say it with me, one another. Love one another. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we pause just for a moment now. Because we're all in different places. We're all uh, got different situations going on. Would, would you apply your word today to our specific lives, our families, our relationships, our church family? Speak, Lord. We're listening.
You can't have the agape love of Christ to splash until you know personally the giver of agape love, Jesus Christ. So you can't do this in your own. This only happens when you come into relationship with Jesus. Have you done that? That's the first question. Have you opened up the door of your life and said, Jesus, I need you. I need you to be my king, my boss, my Lord. I I believe, Jesus, that you lived a sinless life, God with skin on. Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning you didn't stay dead. You literally, bodily, physically resurrected from the dead. You did that for me. Those are the facts, the gospel facts. And Jesus, with the door of my life wide open, I receive you as my king, my savior, my redeemer, my friend. I need you. And when you come into relationship with Jesus, now his agape love Takes, takes a hold of your life. Jesus literally comes and takes up residence in your life through the power of his spirit in you. And now it's a daily choice. Am I going to let Jesus take charge? Am I going to allow his spirit and his love to flow through me or not? If you've already done that, if you've already said yes to Jesus, and I know many of you have, couple questions as we close. Anyone you need to forgive? Oh, Lord, that's a, that's a hard one. That's a difficult relation. That's, I, I'm not sure that they would let me off their hook. I'm not sure I want to forgive them. Jesus, would you give us the courage, the boldness to either seek forgiveness or offer forgiveness as you're making yourself clear? Someone you need to offer a sacrifice of time, talent, and treasure for, it starts in the family. It starts in the, in, the, in the family of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in the church family, and then obviously then it moves out from there. You start splashing that love on the people around you. But is there anybody? You know right now the Lord's saying, give a sacrificial gift of time or talent or treasure. Anyone around you, a third question, who needs some extra grace, extra kindness, some extra agape from you? Perhaps one of the least of these, perhaps someone who for you, extra grace is needed and required. Lord, I'm willing to do that. Make yourself clear. And why, oh why, should we love this way? ready? Jesus, because you loved us like this first. You went first. (laughs) So help us, Lord, we pray. Work powerfully, Lord, as the days get more hostile to be a follower of your Son, help us to shine brighter. 
Help us to splash love even, even better and stronger and more consistent than we've ever done in the past. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.